right, everybody. Yes. Yes, it is another night. Another night to be grateful to be sitting here in good physical working order, good health that I know of. And I'm very grateful to be here with you all. The baby's in good health, too. I just want to let everybody know that because it, there's been plenty of emails. And uh, I think she's about 75% better today. Woke up. We knew everything. We knew we, we had turned a corner. Boy. Boy, she sweated out last night. Had to change the sheets and everything. Boy, it was good. It's real good. But what we heard, we heard her whistling for us this morning. That's how we knew it was going to be a, a much better day than yesterday. Yesterday, she was suspiciously silent and weepy. And today, she went, Mom, Dad, and then she whistled. But she doesn't know how to whistle yet. So she puts her hands, her fingers like this by her mouth, and she goes, Hoo-hoo! Hoo-hoo! <laughs> She's whistling. I don't know who she saw whistle with the... Because I don't know how to whistle like that. I'd like to... I'd like to learn. So she, she saw it somewhere, and then when I heard that whistle, I said, oh, okay, it's going to be a better day. And she was in much better spirits. And she had a two-and-a-half-hour nap. So I'm thinking that this is just her body's way of saying, nap and sleep longer. Why are you doing this to yourself? Anyway, anyway, that's all, that's all taken care of. But tonight, we have a friend and a really awesome recurring guest reoccurring guest coming back to hang out with us it's been, been about a month or so maybe two months since we've had jay dyer on we did uh the brave new world book club all throughout the month of march i think the last time that jay's been on was maybe maybe february february or or january so it'll be nice tonight we're going to be talking about a few things i want to ask him some of his opinions and his observations about the the coronation because it's geopolitical it's it's wef very related it's agenda 2030 related of course we're talking about the royals so there's that there's you know the scene the unseen how, how did he navigate through those waters because there's so many reasons why that um spectacle and ceremony uh, attracted people's attention over the weekend so i'd like to know what he had to think or say and then there's also a few other things i want to bring up including uh, because we're so hot on the heels of our deep dive into brave new world during book club i wanted to bring up a couple of more incredible developments on the uh on the mechanized reproduction end of things. A baby has now been born from three people's DNA in a UK first. So three people's DNA, a thruple made a child in a laboratory somewhere. So I just want to bring that up and a couple other random notes and just hang out for a little bit. In the second half, I'll take a couple of calls and we'll be on our way. We may, may end a little early tonight. I'm not sure though, but we'll see. See how it all goes. All right. With that, I just want to uh, thank you all for finding me once again. I'm going to be bringing on a couple of really awesome people in the next couple of weeks, as you all know. I'm going to add a few more. I think uh, I think John Doyle might actually be coming back as well. 
Boy, we haven't had John Doyle on this show since he was literally a baby. And then he went off to start kicking ass. And um, and we're working that out, so that'll be nice to hang out with him again, probably sometime in June. But we've got Timothy Alberino in June, Leo Zagami. Uh, we've got the, the people from Audit NY. They're coming here to talk about just how bad the situation with the voter rolls are in New York. That is not actually, it's so bad that it doesn't, it doesn't uh, just just affect people in New York having elections that actually reflect who they are. It's actually a national security issue, they say. Sam Tripoli, late May, Bill Altman, later on May, they're back to back. Lindsay Sharman's on with us May 17th. So we're really uh, kicking it into high gear for spring into summer. So I'm happy, I'm happy to be bringing that to you good times and also again remember everybody if you enjoy book club thursdays in june starting on june 1st thursday june 1st we are reading shoeless joe by wp kinsella with charlie robinson of the microaggressions podcast he is the co-host we'll be talking a lot about that as time goes on for the rest of the month of may go out and get it and if you want to be a part of the live sessions become a monthly subscriber on any of the platforms that are listed on quite frankly sponsor us section it's going to be well worth it a wonderful seasonal read if you ask me so thank you again all right into the grab bag because we don't have much time i told jay he should hop on around 7 20 so we can get all this good stuff underway. First one up is from the dumbest man in Congress. And that says a lot. That says a great deal. Hank Johnson, he is the dumbest man in Congress. Quite possibly the dumbest person in government, but I don't know. You're talking about three million people there. And sir, he's beaten out. He's been beaten out by quite a few. But listen to this, he's talking about the hundreds of thousands, if not millions more illegal immigrants, foreign nationals that are rushing our border, which of course, if if Democrats can't bring themselves to speak harshly about members of certain, certain terrible violent gangs, then they're not going to speak harshly about an invasion, especially one that they have set up with all their friends on the other side of the aisle as well. Uh, to bring us to our knees and to erase the the country once and for all. Here's Hank Johnson saying something that anybody else would have been crucified for saying. Here he is. Hold on. Oh, no, 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 no. You got to see it. There we go. To create crisis at the border. So Hold on. I got to put it up. Grinch. To create crisis at the border so that uh, people come here and they are always subject to being illegal workers. Um, and we need to do something about that in this country. You're right. You're right. We should we should completely lock down the border. We should um, dismantle our welfare system because we don't have any any money for that either. I know, but a lot of people need to survive. Well, it's going to be gone one way or another. It's going to be gone one way or another. So how about we figure out ways of trying to bridge the gap a little bit by at least excluding and de-incentivizing all of the illiterate uh, mass, unwashed masses from the third world coming here to take money that at least some of our poor domestic uh, citizen 
our our citizens uh, would be able to be able to use for a little while while we try to figure out a way to salvage the system and and spill ourselves into something new i don't know but you know hank is an idiot he's an idiot uh, he hears other people talking and he he takes notes and then he goes out there and he tries to duplicate it and it sounds worse than the people he's copying and we need to do something about that in this country those folk who are coming across are the ones who are helping to put food on our table without them we're not able to eat mm -hmm. if you if you turn them away if if all of them were uh, turned away and then you, this legislation passed, making it easier to get at people who are already here legally, and you have no immigration, then we would have no food on our plates. We, would have we have 340 million citizens in this country. Well, I don't know if they're all citizens. 340 million people, then probably tens of millions more unaccounted for. And this guy is saying that if we don't have people who are illiterate in their own languages, bum-rushing the border by hundreds of thousands and millions at a time. Who is going to put food on our plates? They are trying to create a permanent dependent underclass of people so that they can once and for all overwhelm and erase a dehumanized bunch of citizens, us, that they have long since wanted to separate from. This is the dumbest man in Congress, and he's saying something. Um... He's saying with, with all the the with all the endless outrage performances that are out there about 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 the ancient memory of slavery in this country and elsewhere around the world. Well, not elsewhere because it's thriving in all of uh, in all the countries um, that are supposedly more noble than us. But Hank sounds a lot more. He sounds a lot like a disaffected slave owner, doesn't he? Hank sounds like a disaffected slave owner right now. How am I going to eat if you take away my slaves? Who is going to put food on our tables if we don't have an army of illiterate South Americans picking radishes for us? He sounds a lot like a disaffected slave owner, if you ask me. But you see, they're allowed to say this stuff and get away with it without being crucified. They're allowed to say this stuff. And of course, people will just say, oh, well, that's Hank trying his best. He's trying his best. But here's a little bit more from Yahoo. Let's see here. U.S. braces for migration surge with thousands of forces at the border. Yeah, handing out diapers. The UN United States on Wednesday was readying its response to an expected surge of migrants seeking to enter, with officials saying 24,000 law enforcement personnel have been deployed to the Mexican border. President Joe Biden has acknowledged that the border will be chaotic for a while. Oh, there you go. There you go. Chained in his sex dungeon. And he's once again, it's all right. It'll be chaotic for a while, but we'll get through. Shh, calm now. There you go. Chained in Joe's sex dungeon. Can't fucking move a muscle, but he's just lulling you to sleep. Don't worry. It'll only hurt for a short while. We'll get it all sorted out there, champ. Tens of thousands of people are waiting at crossing points for the end of so-called for, for, Title 42. Hundreds of thousands. This is Yahoo trying to, trying to make it sound like it's just a drop in the bucket. 
A senior administration official said that 24,000 border police and 1,100 border processing personnel have been deployed. Processing personnel. They're stamping people. They're giving them passports. They're giving them court dates for which they will not show. Um, the Pentagon has also been sending extra troops to the border to reinforce 2,500 already in place. Again, to change diapers not to keep people from crossing into this country. Now, the best part is, is this, that, um, what do they say? The administration counters that it has expelled a record number of migrants thanks to coordination with other countries with an official saying that more than three million people have been removed over the past two and a half years. Yeah, and they come right back in. A lot of times they count those removals. You know, everybody likes to say, hey, the Obama administration was was deporting people far more than many Republican administrations were. No, they were turning them around at the border, sending them three yards into Mexican territory. They would walk a mile down the, the, the way, come back in. And every time they are, tu- they, are, they are apprehended, turned around and come back in, that is one more. One person could be deported five times. All right. It, 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 may, it means nothing. And they keep saying, well, listen, for fairness, Obama was a prolific deporter. Oh, yeah? Have you, have you read into it? No, he wasn't. The Biden administration has also insisted that it will take more humane approach, including not taking children away from whatever uh, adult human beings are dragging them across the desert floor. One of the most controversial measures under Trump... <laughs> That was actually the most humane thing that you could do because children are being subjected to horrors along the way because their actual parents are pairing them up with drug dealers and human traffickers of any stripe for a couple of pesos. Taking children and, and, and for a while putting them someplace where they can be accounted for until we figure out whether or not there's even a DNA match with the people that they are coming across the border with is actually the most humane thing about the entire trek. Again, Trump, Trump, Trump. And what's this? Uh, Forcing persecuted peoples, listen to this, immigration advocates denounce the rule as breaking decades of US law and international agreements that allow vulnerable people to apply for asylum. This was during, this was a pandemic so-called, so-called pandemic procedure too. Just goes to show that everybody that was ruining American businesses over here and keeping children out of school, making everybody get get hooked on drugs, alcohol, and killing themselves because of the isolation and the, the hope that was just ripped from everybody the souls that were crushed, they still wanted to keep the border wide open to people who were never going to be forced to get vaccinated or anything else. So it was a pandemic. It was a threat for us. And it was a field day. They wanted it to be a field day for people who literally have no papers and no way to track and understand their medical history whatsoever in the middle of a so-called pandemic. But here you go. Here's a voice from the so-called, again, faith-based groups that are working down there the biggest frauds that there are, quote, forcing persecuted people, persecuted by whom? To first seek protection in countries with no functioning asylum systems is as ludicrous as it is life-threatening. That's actually the law. You go to the nearest country. You don't get to be in, in, uh, in, you know, the, the, the very tip of South America and choose which country you want to go to 10 countries away. 
That's not what it is. That's not what it is at all. Said Lee Williams, the chief programs officer at a Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Service, a faith-based group that works with asylum seekers. I couldn't wait any longer. Now we go into now we go into the, the, the sob stories. Now we go into the sob stories. I couldn't wait. I can't I have been waiting for four months trying to lodge my request and get the hell out. Get out. Get out. This is supposed to this is supposed to make you feel terrible. Oh what we're doing. What we're doing. Oh man. So listen, I understand why everybody gets at least some temporary forms of satisfaction when someone like Greg Abbott packs people into buses and sends them to the cities that are run, overrun, by this suicidal mentality that has sponsored this kind of behavior and encouraged this kind of behavior, this end game that is playing out before our very eyes. And all of your do-gooder friends, they can be do-gooders to the day they die. And, um, and, and, and they're, they're going to be, they're going to be at least in, in private wondering what the hell have I done? Because they're going to the suburbs now. The cities are over packed. They're going to the suburbs. That is what's playing on all the local news stations around here. They're being packed into the suburbs now. And there, and there you go. So... Bye-bye, Miss American Pie. And all the while, uh, um, while the chaos at the border and chaos in Ukraine and chaos all over the place and Tucker Carlson's leaving here and Donald Trump is, is, being, uh, is being manhandled in every court that uh, Democrats can cobble together 12 nuts, 12 nuts and a jury, the Biden family, as it seems tried to hide over $10 million in foreign payments, according to House GOP. So, oh, of course the Republicans would say that. Say the morons. House Republicans laid out evidence of a vast network of Biden family dealings, which reek of corruption, including the Biden family receiving and tried to hide over $10 million in payments from foreign nationals, a previously undisclosed $1 million in Romanian-linked payments, ties to Romanian influence peddling, a web of 20 LLCs created while Joe Biden was vice president with a complicated corporate structure, their shell companies. At least 15 of the LLCs were formed after Biden became VP in 2009, several of which were owned or co-owned by Hunter. These LLCs accepted payments ranging from 5,000 to 3 million. The committee wants to know what legitimate business the Biden family was in. Which of course none. And it's only, this only pertains, this is just what they're all doing. Do you think if the Biden family, headed by Joe Biden, who is a worthless pile of shit even when he had his mental faculties with him still worthless he was just willing to play the game ruthless unfeeling unthinking son of a bitch do you think that if the bidens were having this much fun making this much money and being that talentless at the same time and nobody else was they would have survived long no they're plugged into a culture that breeds this everybody's doing this everybody Everybody. So here's another little something for you. Then then you want to talk about bias. 
You want to talk about the very straight-laced media. Well, CNN, they tweeted this out last night. I could not believe it. And many people had the same, the same response. Look at this tweet. They just come right out and say this. They go right for it. Right-wing extremist Tucker Carlson. They didn't even put in commas. Like Whoever wrote this was so hormonal that they didn't even put in commas around Tucker's name. Just a run-on sentence. They, they needed to get this out so quickly, and they were just so d- triggered and, and bitter. Right-wing extremist Tucker Carlson will relaunch his program on Twitter, a platform he praised as the only remaining large free speech platform in the world after Fox News fired him last month. Wow. One hell of a sentence there. Very, very hormonal. (laughs) Very hormonal. I wonder what teenage girl wrote that. So they can't even help themselves. They can't help themselves. There's no way that they can overcome him or anybody in his position being set free on the internet because CNN is a pile of trash. And here's another thing I got to say that you gotta give Twitter a little bit of credit for, that Elon Musk a little bit of credit for to create just some kind of contrast to how we were living when there was nothing, there was nothing over there at Twitter that could be considered fair and open, which again, contrast not against the old Twitter versus the slightly newer Twitter, contrast versus the newer Twitter versus the rest of social media. Kanakoa the Great, this is a wonderful ex, uh, um, example. Kenneth the Great put this out. DC Attorney General, DC Attorney General Brian Schwalb, Schwalb, will have to navigate through some community notes before he takes away our beloved gas stoves. Shouldn't AGs be more focused on combating crime than kitchen appliances? So this AG in District of Columbia said this. Today I'm leading eleven attorneys general. He put AGs. It's attorneys general, not attorney generals. Uh, 11 AGs calling for federal action to address the health and safety risks of gas stoves, which emit pollutants that have a desperate negative impact on children and uh, undeserved communities. Under, oh wait, underserved, I'm sorry. (laughs) Underserved communities and put DC residents at risk of asthma and other respiratory illnesses. Remember, they're not coming for your gas stoves, but the the DC Attorney General wants to band together with other leading AGs around the country to call for federal action to address gas stoves. But of course he got community noted. According to the largest peer review analysis of any link between gas stoves and childhood asthma, 500,000 plus children sampled worldwide. There is no evidence of an association between the use of gas as a cooking fuel and either asthma symptoms or asthma diagnosis. This is the one thing you can say that we have not had. It is so critical. The fact that they've been able to just proliferate this bullshit So it's a lot harder to gaslight on Twitter. And this is the big reason why people are becoming more interested in at least having a burner account on there. And the fact that someone like Tucker Carlson is going there to set up shop for his show is really just a a very smart move. Maintain your independence and um, 
No, man, the re, the re is going to flow. All right, let's start this show. We'll be right back with Jay Dyer. Do not go anywhere. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Okay, so welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I am happy to have you here on this thir- Wednesday night. Tomorrow's Thursday. Plenty of good stuff happening tomorrow night, too. But uh, just give this episode a thumbs up, please, if you're on YouTube. I don't know how we're still there, but we are. So if, while we're there, just give it a like, even though we are actually losing two now now we're losing two subscribers a day. It <laughs> doesn't matter. Have fun over there. On Rumble, please like the stream. It's the only uh it's the only major platform. The independent platforms are there for very specific purposes and we want those to grow too. But right now it is fertile ground on Rumble and if you can please just give it a nice thumbs up then um it will I'm I'm sorry, my computer is completely glitching out here. I thought that all my problems were going to go away, and it's actually gotten worse. So over the weekend, Jim Lee is going to be going diving into this machine, and we are going to figure out uh, if maybe the uh, updated BIOS and the operating system will do the trick. And if that's not the case, then we're going to be looking at hardware. Yay! Video cards and motherboards. Isn't that going to be nice? So if I take some unexpected days off in the coming weeks, whenever the hell we get to the bottom of this, You'll know why. Then again, I'll tell you why. So there will be no mysteries. Hey, here's something I wanted to throw out there before Jay gets on. Looking out for him. Um, This is from the Epoch Times. The FDA now approves the first pill containing human feces. That's right. Eat your shit. Clinical trials indicate success, but there are risks and many unknowns in the novel therapy. Now, I know people have made some very level... Um, scientific arguments as to why this would be good for gut regulation and all that stuff. I don't know why ferment, you know, maybe when Jay, um, Jay Gulinello comes on tomorrow night, I can ask him, Hey, uh, are there situations where, um, you know, fermented foods and anything else are not the best that we need to, to swallow pills that have somebody else's shit in it? I don't know. Maybe he'll be able to give me some insight on that. 
Patients needing a fecal microbiota transplant for recurrent, oh, well, you know, C. diff. Now, C. diff infections. I know how bad this is. Uh, out of the many problems that Skip had at the end of his life, C. diff was one of them that caused him unbelievable torture. It was terrible. Terrible. And, um, you know, as I read around here, I see how highly contagious bacterial infection that C. diff is. Uh, we were allowed to go in there uh, every day and be with him and help him out inside of his his, uh, his room, and we didn't have any any uh, space suits on, and neither were the people that were dealing with him. So highly contagious bacterial infection that causes severe diarrhea, abdominal pain, fever, can result in organ failure. But they're saying that recurrent infections within two to eight weeks are a problem for about one in six patients, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control. And in response to the approval of this new oral microbiota product, Dr. Peter Marks, director of FDA's Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research, said this, the availability of fecal microbiota product that can be taken orally is a significant step forward in advancing patient care and accessibility for individuals who have experienced this disease that can be potentially life-threatening. Now, I'm open to, um, to, I don't know, to just, to learning about what this is. I I want somebody to explain this to me, and tomorrow hopefully we'll get some explanations. But, you know, in an age, again, like so many other things, in an age where we are fed, literally, figuratively, things like crickets as being a, um, a good substitute for a nice, well-balanced diet, I'm sure that there is some protein inside of a cricket. That if you ate enough, you have, will have consumed your daily quota for protein, whatever the hell your goal would, is. These are concepts that if we heard it in a vacuum, away from everything that's going on culturally, then it would have been a little bit more, a little bit more, not, not any less gross to think about eating bugs or potentially swallowing pills that the, the active ingredients has been sourced from uh, human poopy, doo-doo. But um, I don't know. I, I just feel like we've been pushed into, into accepting ways of living that is just subpar from what we expect uh, over the years. That's really what I've been, that's really what gets me when I think about this. I'm, I'm naturally curious about what goes on. I mean, is that, uh, is that not a, a natural cure? Now, it's, it's, it's somebody else's waste. But you guys all go to tag sales, right? One person's junk is another person's treasure. And um, I guess we just need somebody a little bit more trained on the subject to uh, to tell us what's up. So as we wait for Jay Dyer, since uh, I have some other great things we can talk about, I had um, I had this article. This is from a couple of years ago. This is 2017. Now, I went and dug this up because we have something that is a lot more pressing and there in our faces today uh, that I wanted to link it, link it together with. So here is the International Business Times from 2017. Robots and humans, here you go, will one day have babies 
creating a new hybrid species. A leading expert in the field of artificial intelligence has predicted that robots and humans will be able to have children within the next century, creating a new hybrid species. The claim has been made that do, uh, by Dr. David Levy, author of Love and Sex with Robots. Dr. Davey, uh, Dr. Levy's claims are based on research into um, bio nanotechnology, stem cells, and robogenetics. He is set to reveal his findings at the International Congress on Love and Sex with Robots in London tomorrow, December 20th, back in 2017. In particular, he points out to the work of scientists at Ohio State University who use nanotechnology to create a chip that can successfully pass genetic code into skin cells. According to the Daily Star Online, Dr. Levy will say, quote, suddenly a very real possibility has appeared on the horizon of the robots of the future, manipulating human skin cells to create human sperm and human eggs. He adds that from them, robots may be capable of creating an entire human baby whose embryo can be nurtured and carried through pregnancy by a mother surrogate. This is how I believe, here's a quote, it will be possible within the foreseeable future for humans and robots to make babies together. He will add that the technology to make this possible will be, an, uh, will be at an odds-on cert, an odds-on cert within the next 100 years. And I think that we're, really, we're, we're making progress in that, in that respect. You remember what we were talking about on Friday night with, um, with Matt and Vinny Brusco. And now you see this. Um, hold on. And now you see this going on. There's a little bit more on that one. Let's go to it. Uh, Dr. Levy will say that until July 25th, 1979, humanity believed that sexual intercourse between man and a woman was the only way to conceive a child. That changed with the first successful case of in vitro fertilization treatment and the world's first test tube baby. With the advent of IVF, science wrote the, uh, the conception rule book, rewrote it, and provided the impetus for researchers to investigate possible alternative means of human reproduction. And it's become so much more mechanized now that we are talking about MIT promoting what was going on, that the technology from overseas that was shipped over here and we had the first scientists that were using robotics as a tool to uh, fertilize eggs and that was able to do it on its own and now in in the uk we've got a baby that was born from three people three people's dna in a uk first a baby has been born using three people's dna for the first time in the uk the fertility regulator has confirmed most of their DNA comes from their two parents and around 0.1% from a third donor. The third, a donor woman. Let's see. The pioneering technique is an, an attempt to prevent children from being born with devastating mitochondrial diseases. Now, they talk about this, and there's always going to be something. There's always going to be something open. You know, a disease we're trying to prevent... Um, but you know that this is more so about testing things for the future. For example, the metaverse. 
everybody is kind of dancing on its grave right now, saying, you know, making fun of Mark Zuckerberg for being such a friendless loser in his virtual world that nobody shows up and play. Um, but but is it really, is that really the be all end all for the metaverse? W- what was this all really to market test for? What is this a beta test for in the future? That's what we're going to talk about, among other things, right now with our buddy Jay Dyer, who's returning. Jay's analysis.com. Jay, I don't see you. Oh, there he is. Yeah, I'm here. What's going on, bro? Hey, what's up? No, man, it's good. To, oh, hold on. Where the hell have you gone? I'm trying to see where the guest caller is. Wait a second. You should be showing up, and for some reason, you're no longer on screen with me. But anyway, how has everything been, man? The last time we spoke, that was right before all of your wonderful work with Tucker Carlson came out, and you've been obviously you're always making great appearances all over the place. So, uh, how's life been? Busy, I'm I'm assuming. Yeah, I've been joking that I accidentally got him fired. So, you know, <laughs> right at, our, our skit was the you know thing we snuck in right before he was let go. So um, I don't think that's really the case. I don't think Klaus made any phone calls and had Tucker fired, but <clears throat> I do think that, you know, it was, it was exciting there to get it in. And I think that that was uh, due to him just doing too much edgy red pill content. You know, he's been doing that pretty consistently for the last several years. And uh, you know, there's just a point where uh, it's too much, especially if they want to, have everybody in total control media wise for whatever operations they have lined up for the next few years. But, um, yeah, beyond that, we've been, uh, really busy just kind of cranking out content, working through various books. Um, you know, after you and I did the breakdown of brave new world, I went on to read some more Huxley texts and, uh, found a lot of really crazy stuff that went along, you know, very, very closely with what we talked about i covered doors of perception and another essay that he did called heaven and hell from huxley and uh there's also an essay at the back of this book that deals with drugs being used uh on humanity and of course he always writes it as if he's kind of this pseudo liberal but uh there's a lot of mk ultra stuff in this basically this book in my view really solidifies that he was 100 percent part of mk ultra for sure um and the doors of perception. Yeah, anyway, that's that's what I've been doing, and working through some other texts as well. The, the, the doors of perception then is actually how the doors got their name, the band, right? It is. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I knew that. that that's uh, one thing that they had they had taken from Huxley, and uh, I, I thought it was interesting. It, you, one other thing about uh, Tucker Carlson there too, that I wanted to ask you about because it links into something else that you've done recently, and uh, you know I was watching a lot of the screeching reactions to him bringing his act to Twitter and how during his announcement, he sort of channels his inner Howard Beale going on uh, about this universally deceptive nature of the media and and how it's just how it's there to 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 present you a very controlled, limited hangout product that doesn't advance humanity in any way, shape or form. And I know you just finished doing a dive into the movie Network recently, and uh, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about that in your um and you're because especially with one thing, but I want to hear your overall thoughts. When I watch network, I look at it as, you know, the truth in a vacuum here. The biggest thing I think is really clever is the fact that the audience in the movie to me is a reflection of the audience watching the movie at home. And yeah. do we understand that Howard Beale do we understand what he's telling us, the seriousness of it, or is it just slapstick form of comedy, commentary? If it is that serious, what do we do about it? Do we just keep tuning in to new rants every every week? Is that enough? I, I think it's wonderful that you jumped into that movie recently. 
Yeah, we covered it last night, and uh, that was a suggestion of some of the fans of my stuff. Uh, and for whatever reason, I'd never covered it. Uh, I'd watched about half of it many, many years ago, and <clears throat> I wasn't near as savvy now at that at that time that I am now about how all this works. And so I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't really watch it back then because I really wouldn't have understood it. And watching it this week before last night's live stream and going deep into it, I was blown away by a lot of things. I mean, this movie has the subtext of Operation Mockingbird, even though it's not explicit. All of the news stories that are mentioned in the movie are really famous 70s era CIA connected psyops. Uh, at one point, they even mentioned CIA operations, investigations, and op uh, black ops. Uh, they, they mentioned uh, Kissinger and OPEC and Bil uh, Bilderberg, basically. They don't mention Bilderberg. They mention Kissinger and OPEC uh, being behind the oil crisis. They mention um, the Simeonese Liberation Army and the, the kidnapping of Patty Hearst, which I think was a, a psyop. Uh, they mentioned the assassination attempt of Squeaky Fromm on Gerald, uh, Gerald Ford, which again, I think per pertains to psyops and CIA mind control, especially the whole you know Manson stuff. So there's this weird kind of background thing of all of the stories being uh, famous, you know, conspiratorial psychological warfare based stories at the same time as we're getting this window into the network uh, which we think is kind of about the networks of television, and it is on a basic level, but it's actually about the networks of control as you go up the pyramid. And by the time we get to the end of the film, <clears throat> spoiler alert, when we meet the Jensen character, who's basically the BlackRock Vanguard kind of character who's, who's doing a giant merger to take over this, this giant uh, news network, uh, you know, he basically presents himself as this god figure to Howard Beale, and there is a, a lot of tie-ins, you know, to Howard Beale as Alex Jones, Howard Beale as Tucker Carlson, these kinds of media figures who are given the, the platform to be the angry man. Uh, I'm not saying that Tucker and, and Alex are bad guys. I'm saying that that they are prefigured in this archetype of Howard, Howard Beale. But by the end, Howard Beale capitulates. And that's the big thing that you don't expect. You don't expect to, you expect him to rebel against the the oligarch, you know, media control character, and he doesn't. He just basically says, "Okay, I'll teach, I'll I'll teach your nihilistic, brave new world gospel," and that's literally what the Jensen character does. Is that he tells him, "You're going to teach what uh, and preach what I tell you to preach, and you're going to preach the gospel of brave new world." Mm. And I mean, he literally says he doesn't say the word brave new world, but he says, "We're going to have a one world socialist government where everybody's uh, provided for." universal basic income everybody will be drugged and happy and entertained and uh you're going to preach that because the people are worthless so beal just totally capitulates after you think oh he's been awakened and he's had this mystical experience and he says i've seen the face of god and it turns out he says that this ceo of you know basically the BlackRock is is the face of god right yeah uh it's not at all where i thought the movie would go now it's it's a satire it's not totally taking itself serious because it kind of predicts things like reality tv um with this pseudo marxist organization that's run by this character that looks like tupac who ends up being kind of a mind control assassin that ends up killing howard beale and again it's like all of the elements in it which are ridiculous and satire are kind of real they're kind of like predicting real things so there's a lot going on in this movie um that's my overall view packing it into a few minutes but it's a good insight into kind of plato's allegory of the cave that, yes you know trying to tell people and wake them up 
you find out that a lot of people don't want to be uh, awakened and they want to be controlled. And so Howard Beale kind of functions as that, that uh, you know, Socrates character trying to wake people up, but then um, he doesn't stick to his principles. He, he actually capitulates. That, I'm glad you, you brought up the allegory of the cave um, because that's what I was, I was go, going to bring up as well with all this. Because that that other thing in the the film where at the end he, he is even after his so-called red pilling, after a while his ratings start to dip again. And why is that? Because the audience, it seems that the audience only wants so much truth. And if it gets too dark and too real yep. and depressing, right. people get depressed. They they would happily welcome anybody to show up and sprinkle at least a little bit of sweet lies in there to make this more palatable. That you you can't really uh, and, and that's that's the other question is wh- where is the backstop for all of this? Where is the backstop? And where do you bring people to where they just they they don't want to listen anymore? I'll tell you, Jay. There's there are people. And that's this. This here's the thing I, I like about I've always liked about your work. I I don't think that after after all of these years of following you and becoming friends that I can even really describe your politics. I I know a good deal about your principles, your morals, uh, and 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 how well studied you are. But whenever you discuss current events, it's usually only to ever highlight programs, the think tanks, the congregations, the things that set wheels in motion to create the events and the realities we have right now. And 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 that one of the things that is created for people right now is this real splitting of the mind where Everybody is MK Ultra compartmentalizing themselves and disassociating right now. They some in some sick way or a curious way they want to know the truth. Then when they get too close to it, it's just it's too horrifying. They want to get out of it, and uh, and it and it fractures people from the life they once had and the life they always wanted to have. Um, so I I think that this this movie is very important. I'm glad you did it. Well, that's what happens to Howard Beale. What you just described is what happens to Howard. He seems to have this kind of break, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he wants to know the truth, but he doesn't. And he has, I mean, it seems to be a psychotic break. Maybe he's mind controlled. You know, you could you could theorize that. But yeah, he represents in a way uh, the everyman and the voice of the everyman, the angst of the everyman. And then, as you said, we, the audience watching the movie, are the audience that Howard Beale is speaking to exactly? Um, yeah, I mean it's it's dark, but it 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 gets darker because when he meets with the oligarch guy, you know the the, the controller tells him you're going to you're not going to mess with the cosmic forces of nature, which our corporate cosmo our corporate cosmology dictates that we are on the social Darwinian you know, uh, totem pole. We're at the top of the totem pole. We decide who lives, who dies. We decide how the future is going to be because we're at the, we're at the top of this evolutionary chain. And so it's all just a self-justifying machine. And I'm just, I was just so surprised at the fact that he, he's literally, it, I mean, it doesn't mention 1984 and Brave New World, but that's what he says. He says, do you understand there's not nation states anymore? There's corporations and all those corporations will no longer be corporations anymore because there will eventually be one corporation. And that one corporation will give everybody a basic income. It will give everybody entertainment and it will give everybody uh, drugs. So it's a one world government, he says, that is the end goal. And he actually he actually calls it Marxist socialism, 
provided by the corporation. And that's funny because there's Marxist socialists that play an important role in the story because there's this ecumenical liberation army, which is a this silly group of Marxists, right, that are fighting for profit shares when they get their reality show. <laughs> so there's going to be a reality TV show based on these uh, street-level Marxists, and they have all these hagglings with the lawyers to figure out what their, uh, you know, royalties will be or whatever. Um, and so th that's like the joke-level Marxism. But the real Marxism that's going to be provided by Jensen in the story is the Unicorp, the big giant uh, conglomerate that will create this global government, the real Marxism, the real socialism, to control everyone. And the weirdest part that I didn't expect was that he said that the future is to for humans to be humanoid, not to be human anymore. And that's represented by the Faye Dunaway character, who's the woman, the, the executive woman, and she's a total like sociopath. She yep. has no conscience, no feeling at all. She's a radical feminist herself, and she talks about when she was in college having done, you know, countless LSD trips and she actually had a psychotic break and she was going to jump off the roof and she's talking about all, all the guys that she slept with and she doesn't have any any um, feeling anymore and she likes to in bed she likes to be like a man and so she's like this radical uh, inverted feminist type of you know so-called business you know leaning in boss lady chick and she's exactly what is described as the future by the Jensen character right this kind of a, of a humanoid Right, because the Max guy, the, the guy that has an affair with her, like he describes her as a humanoid. He's like, You're not human, you're something else. Yes. Yes. And she represents that Tavistock new new age feminist future creation that is also part of the backdrop of this film because there's a bunch of references to like new age stuff and to feminism because it was getting really popular in the seventies. Uh, th th yeah, there's so much, and and especially uh, Faye Dunaway's character. It's just the coldness there. It's it's very yeah. and it's a very. Um, She's kind of like Lenina, right? Remember oh Lenina? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, although I would say Lenina was a little bit less calculating. She was a lot more ditzy. Yeah. She was a lot more That's ditzy, true. and uh, yeah. and uh, F Faye Dunaway is a lot more uh, ferocious in 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 uh network but i would say uh you know speaking of totem poles and hierarchies i want to take this this uh kind of essence here and bring it out to other things totem poles hierarchies and food chains um the coronation i over the weekend you had to have uh, been observing it at least a little bit uh it's the first coronation i ever watched at least in in highlight form i did not understand how um religious a, an event it was but what have you taken away from the ceremony, the circumstances, the responses from the public? I, I'm, I'm interested in your take. Uh, I did a, a pretty long live stream breaking down uh, my thoughts on it. It was a little too spicy for YouTube, so I had to kind of move it over to Rockfin. But <laughs> uh, my overall thesis there was that it was kind of a, uh, a ridiculous clown show in a way because even though you know the royal family has a lot of power, a lot of wealth, and so forth, um, you know, it's, they're obviously putting on pageantry because they don't take Christianity seriously. They don't take the Bible seriously. For them, it's just a kind of a, a, a you know, wallpaper. It's kind of a veneer. And, you know, they run, uh, if, if you know the history of the British Empire, and, and, and I, after that coronation yesterday, I did a live stream, or two days ago, I did a live stream on uh, the history of British intelligence. And I wanted to do that because 
you know, after reflecting on the coronation and thinking about the the British Empire and the history of the British East India Company and how you know nefarious it was, it's kind of the model for corporate governance. Uh, I went into the history of British intelligence and how they really subverted the U.S. and set up the U.S. intelligence structure, which is our shadow government, right? It was William Stevenson and all these figures that came over from British intelligence to set up uh, through the British uh, Office of Security Coordination, the OSS, and that becomes eventually the CIA, which is more or less our uh, one big arm of our deep state. So. You know that's what that represents to me it doesn't represent anything remotely close to christianity and to me it was more of a masonic type of ceremony and I, i'm guessing now that he's the king if his mom was the previous head of world freemasonry then i'm assuming now he would be the official head of world freemasonry right so i see it more as a masonic ritual than anything that was actually a, like a christian ritual um you know they even have a cloak that they put up where you can't look upon him when he's anointed like like it's the holy of holies you know in the in terms of like there was just a lot of weird stuff going on and everybody really felt it was kind of weird um you know the the in christian theology in the history of the church you do have a coronation uh service that is that's done but it's not anything i mean there might have been some trappings and some remnants of that service buried in this service somehow but this again was more of a masonic thing because you have uh muslims and hindus all present and kind of talking about readings doing religious readings and prayers and so it's very much like a new world religion ecumenist type of thing and keep in mind that you know Charles is a BFF with Savile and Klaus Schwab and all these, you know. You know, I'm glad you, I'm glad you bring that up, Jay, because I, I don't know. Like you said, I don't, I don't, I don't really believe that they really care about the Bible or right. the faith or anything like that. But my question, as I'm watching this, whatever I did watch, is do they even care about their so-called their realm, their kingdom there? Because I, I know that. When it comes to the monarchy in in uh, the UK, it's not a uh, a very big um, uh, it's not a very big deciding factor in how things go now with the the parliament there at least at least on the surface there. But but with the intelligence that they have, with the kind of influence they uh, they put over the world, the wealth, all that stuff, they why what does the kingdom matter if it's been sacrificed like? Every other Western nation on the altar of mass migration. I don't understand that at all. That they allowed London to be mostly Pakistan at this point. It makes um, it's always been the most confusing thing to me, especially since we always are brought up with the three centers of power in the world: is D.C., Rome, and and London. And 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 meanwhile, uh, if the royals are really that serious about being plugged into the the end game for world control, why have they sacrificed their own home turf? Well, because they're Malthusians. And so first thing is that they're not actually uh, Anglo-Saxon people. They're Sax-Coburg-Gotha, they're Guelph, they're Romanian, according to, and I'm not hating on Romanians, I'm just saying that they're they're not British people, like they're outside uh, rulers. So that's one thing. And then beyond that, they have an absolutely anti-human Malthusian worldview and philosophy. So of course they don't care about their empire, their dominion. And in my view, going all the way back to Cecil Rhodes, the British empire was really just a cutout and a a tool an engine for this inner core, uh, what Cecil Rhodes called the society of the elect, 
which was his model for the, the future world Fabian socialist dictatorship, um, which didn't occur in his generation. And the British Empire didn't succeed in doing that. But what the people in that circle of that society, including Lord Rothschild, Lord Milner, Lord Curtis, Lord Gray, all those guys, what they came up with was, we'll just uh, use the American empire as the engine for this. And that's precisely where we are now. And it was the intelligence agencies, particularly British intelligence, that were instrumental in subverting the country, our country, and turning it into an engine of these these people. So that's that's a great point. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the Brits themselves, because they're seen as cannon fodder and useless eaters. And uh, just think back to Cecil Rhodes's British South Africa Company, which is modeled on the British East India Company, which is a corporate government, corporate governance. So don't think about the king and the British Empire. Think about the British East India Company and corporate governance being the original inner corporate structure that actually runs this thing. And so it's interested in internationalism, nothing to do with British people, but it's corporate international government coming out of the British East India Company model, which was built on drug running and opium, by the way. Mm -hmm. And Cecil Rhodes's BSAC, which was modeled on British East India Company. That's what it's about. I had a couple of questions here about this from uh, from an audience member or two that I wanted to know, and I thought they were pretty good. I wanted to toss them your way. Uh, there's the first one. Um, now that Charles is king, does it make one world government closer to fruition? And what does that mean symbolically, metaphysically, since Charles is not really beloved like his mother was? Um, I imagine he, somebody was commenting on this the other day and saying that he's probably just preparing for the transition to the next generation. Cause you know, he's kind of older too. Uh, so he's probably trying to figure out how, you know, William will carry on this, this thing. So, um, I view them as kind of like, you know, a wealthy, uh, family in this pyramid structure. You know, I mean, they may not be at the top of the pyramid. So it's kind of like, again, just think of it as a giant corporation, mm. right? And I, I think they probably even have it listed as, you know, the, the Queen's Holdings or I guess now it's the King's Holding Company or something, right? <laughs> like, uh, I remember when I went to London uh, in 2018 or 19, I did a <clears throat> I did a talk there. And, uh, you know, when you, when you go around and you buy the souvenirs and everything, like, it says something like, you know, uh, property of the Queen's holding company or something like that. So, like, even when you buy a souvenir, right, I mean, it basically just goes, it goes to the Queen's brand is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It, so is, it is a brand. It's just, a, it's just another kind of big company is the way I would I would view it. Uh, well, moving on from that then, because... But, and so, that, and, and that fits into WEF, right? So, I, I, I think that, you know, you're just going to get more of the same. So, whether it's the Queen or whether it's him... That itself is not really going to matter. Whether it's William, it's going to be more of the same. Yeah, I, there are other people asking. You know, does did did uh, the Queen's long life put any of the the world government plans on hold? And it's like, I was like, I mean, over the last what seventy years, what that's where all the the biggest moving and shaking has been done. And so I don't see how anything was was really paused. And in the short amount of ta time that uh, Charles is king. I'm sure that he's going to continue to keep all of his um, his associations, as you 
pointed out before. And I want to I want to move on. So from from totem poles and hierarchies, I want to go to food chain for a second. Speaking of WEF, the crickets and all that stuff, I was talking about how the FDA has just approved the first pill containing human feces to regulate to regulate uh, gut biomes for for people who are having really hard times. In in the time that we are living in right now, is it is it nearly impossible for you to see anything that may make your skin crawl a little bit, but in another time would have been like, well, I'm sure that there is a reasonable application for this, or do you think that everything is just dual use at this point? Um, what do you mean by dual use? Like, they you know, they want us eating bugs, they also want us eating shit. Uh, is this is this a, uh, a, a form of... Uh, some kind of a form of fealty as well, or how far do you go with your sus- suspicions about where we're being pushed as far as the... Uh, I think these are, a lot of these things are humiliation rituals. So I think that there are ways to uh, intentionally degrade the po- the population. Uh, that's a big part of this. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody here has been keeping up with like what we've done with Tavistock in the last uh, a month or so. So since, since you and I had done the... Uh, Brave New World Breakdown, I did uh, Doors of Perception, Heaven and Hell, and then I also did uh, Dr. John Coleman's Tavistock book. Uh, you can never find a physical copy of that, but I did find it uh, online. Uh, you can find PDFs and audio versions of it. But So I, I dove deep into that, and Dr. Coleman uh, has the thesis that the public has to kind of be put through um, debasement rituals to initiate them in and bring them into this next phase of the new world order so that's what i would say a lot of this is with you know poop water and and bill gates trying to come up with ways to recycle you know shit water i mean all of this stuff to me is a debasement ritual well the fda also um i think it was this past week or this past month i forget when it was but they also approved that good meat the the good meat company the lab grown meat it's made with they call it immortalized cell lines so uh, it, um, our, our friend, Raw Egg Nationalist, uh, he said that this is functionally indistinguishable from cancer. And they're, they're using these immortalized cell lines in the same way that they use immortalized cells from, from, uh, from children, from you know, fetal cells from decades ago to create vaccines, the same thing that they want to start doing to grow new generations of fake yeah. meat. So Have you read... Have you read uh dr mary's monkey no no it sounds horrible it's about this it's about the sv40 um and it's about the immortal cell lines so yeah that's actually where that i think the sv40 came from was that immortal cell line that you're talking about and so the idea is well cancer seems to be kind of um indestructible so maybe we could learn from it how to extend life right that's the the logic behind it and supposedly there's this black woman who had some kind of special cell line. I mean, I don't know if any of this is true. This this is just what the liter- what they say in the literature. And so they wanted to study these various cell lines. People have this specific genetic, you know, structure. Uh, and I don't know why they would tie that into the meat and all this kind of stuff, except that I think they just want everybody convinced that the synthetic versions are better and that that's good for the planet good for the earth and really all that stuff is in my view like a trojan horse to you know basically kill you off toxify you 
give you a slow kill uh, so that the medical industry can feed off of you for the next several decades. I and mean, that's what all that fake food is about. Um, so if they, they create, a new, create a new market, make it a fad, toxify people with it. It's part of eugenics. It's, it's all that in my view. Well, going from there, from things that w we interface with and then more Brave New World themes that we were talking about, which is, of course, how the, sh the, the book opens up inside of the hatcheries. I brought up a 2017 article when I was uh, preparing the way for you to come on tonight, and it is, uh, let me see here, get you on the screen with me. Here it is from International Business Times. The headline, Robots and Humans Will One Day Have Babies, Creating a New Hybrid Species. And it goes into how there is going to be this very definitive trail of events that is that's going to pretty much merge uh, human reproduction with robotic you know, I, I don't know, I, I would say mechanisms and all that. And it would be a, uh, a team. We would form, we would form team. We would team up with robots to repopulate the earth. And then we get this a day ago from the BBC baby born from three people's DNA in the UK first. Now, late last week, Jay, we just read a report on Friday night from MIT that robots for the first time had fertilized human eggs on their own, you know, uh, you know, working on behalf of humans. But you have robot insemination, uh, robot fertilization. This baby is now born from three people's DNA. They say it's to combat mitochondrial disease. And, uh, and oh, we just we just did this. We just did this in March with Brave New World. Yeah, and that wild. I mean, you know, we we were working our way through this. And by the way, uh, not discrediting our our chats, I, I thought our breakdown of Brave New World was excellent, like next level stuff. Um, but last year, Jamie and I, did, my wife and I, we did every dystopian movie in terms of their chronology. So you know, we encountered a lot of these same ideas going through all the the movie incarnations of this stuff, and. I think that a lot of the, again, I mean, for me, you know, I'm kind of, I tend to be skeptical on some of these uh, fancy science stories when they come out like this, not because I don't necessarily believe that it can happen. It's just that I know there's a lot of propaganda in, in these big science articles that come out. So I just tend to take a more skeptical view. Again, not that they're, I don't, it's not that I don't think that they're trying to do these things. They absolutely are. But a lot of times the news articles will kind of propagandize it like they do with transhumanism or like they do with AI. Oh, the AI is alive now, right? right? And this kind of nonsense. In my view, that's that's propaganda. So when I see hear these kinds of stories, I don't necessarily automatically believe them, but I mean, entirely possible that I'm sure they are working on these kinds of things. And I think this is just ultimately to uh, remember, like you put in your, in your title, uh, Mecca Reproduction, Remember in Brave New World, they say that the point, uh, Huxley says, the point of it is to divorce procreation from the sexual act. So as long as they can separate the two, it's all good. And that really is the underlying principle behind all of this stuff, right? To end the family. And have so you, when have you, you see seen? these kinds of articles like that coming out, that's propaganda to end the family because it's like, yeah, that's Huxley says, you know, in the novel, this ended the family because you families tie you if you're not created in a lab then you're automatically tied to a family if we create you in a in a lab you don't have a mom and a dad you're a, your mom and dad are you know 
test tubes. <laughs> so you don't have a family. That's this ends the family. That's the point. And you've seen in the last couple of uh, weeks, a lot of people have have now put together these incredible threads of emails, promotional emails coming from corporations of all sizes, startups, mom and pop. It seems like there's an incredible coordination out of nowhere. They had uh, in the last days of April, start, people started getting emails from companies that they usually patronize and all that, asking whether or not they want to opt out of any kind of Mother's Day promotions because they know that this is a very trying time and um, and and we don't want to cause any undue stress. Like what? So they they said, "All oh, right, well, I knew what that was all about right from the from the get go." They're starting to slowly say, "Oh, well, let's not mention mothers in front of people." Yeah, some exactly. Pe- some people yeah. don't have mothers. Some people can't be mothers. Some people think that they should have been born a woman so that they could be a mother. Let's be sensitive, and, and we'll see what happens with Father's Day. I'm sure that's already starting as well. But I said, "Yeah, well, they're, they're going to be hate terms." Yeah, absolutely. They're going to be exclusionary. I saw that the the the. Uh, there was one the, the idiot general, Air Force general, that was before a congressional committee somewhere, that was explaining how uh, they ha- they have started to uh, make it a, uh, I don't know, a I would say a, uh, they're dissuading people, discouraging people from using any kind of reference to parents in official capacities in the Air Force, at least uh, in that upper upper yeah. rung. It's so this is happening in very outward and public coordinated ways and uh, uh you know i i guess i guess if you look too far into it you are one of those extremist conspiracy nuts but it seems pretty easy to me what's going on yeah it's in your face but it's in your face on purpose and uh this is one of the things i was reading about in the tavistock book uh is that they will intentionally do those contradictory things to uh, to shock the public and that's what part of the purpose of, of future shocks is to cause catatonic state and uh, apathy in the audience so the these traumatic things that they keep doing saying oh uh, all children can now become some other you know biology oh uh, there's no such thing as mom and dad right that's rolled out in a contradictory way on purpose right and we saw this for example with uh, fauci right Put it on, take it off, put it on. It, it helps you, it saves you, it doesn't do anything, right? Contradicting himself. And people think, oh, he's such an idiot. No, you understand, Tavistock has studied the power of the establishment to contradict itself, how that puts you in a fearful, uh, destabilized, catatonic state. And, and that's actually in 1984, like when Winston starts noticing the the contradictions because he works in the ministry of information himself cutting out history and and causing contradictions Mm -hmm. and so he starts realizing hey wait a minute this doesn't make sense this is this is crazy but it's not crazy it makes perfect sense if you're malicious and devious Uh, and you know i'm glad you said that because the the last uh, the last set of questions i had and topics i wanted to bring up to you had to do with mark zuckerberg and his uh 
his metaverse wasteland as everybody's everybody is taking a lot of pot shots at him for creating a metaverse a digital world that barely anybody is hanging out in oh he's such an idiot look at what he changed facebook into meta and now nobody's hanging out in his in his you know nintendo wii world and i'm saying hey i i like a good failure story for a technocrat any day of the week but this guy is too plugged in and the metaverse has been far too of an expressly important piece of the future of this fourth industrial revolution that has been very widely publicized by people like Klaus at that world government summit just a couple of months ago. He called out metaverse and AI by name as to it needs to be developed and whoever controls these technologies in the future will be masters of the world, he said. So as much as they can't get people to buy fake real estate next to, to Snoop Dogg anymore, to think that this was not a beta test for something that is indispensable to their future plans is, I think, very foolhardy. Yeah, you know, sometimes these kinds of fan uh, of uh, rollouts do fail, right? Like, if you remember Google Glasses, like when that rolled out, everybody thought that was going to be like the new big threat to individual liberty and... It was a big tool for surveillance, and it was, but that was just a big flop, right? And well, I hope I think, it's a flop. Well, remember if you remember the two thousands, like Sergey Brin had put a bunch of money into Google Google Glasses, yeah. and it just didn't. And so, you know, Metaverse, in, in terms of its first rollout, uh, didn't really work, which surprises me because I figured they would have done better with it. But you know, it looks so corny, and it was so cheeseball. If you remember the videos they rolled out with. Mark Zuckerberg standing there in like a like like a 1990s era CGI room. It just looked it, it was, looked terrible. It was like Wii so, bowling. Yeah, exactly. Wii bowling. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's like Max Headroom or something, right? Yeah. And like he's he. I'm so excited to tell you about the metaverse. It's gonna be great. You know? <laughs> and it's like it looks terrible. Um. Anyway, I mean, they will definitely tweak that and roll it out in some new form. I mean, you're absolutely right that, I mean, there's too much invested in that, but I think it's just too soon. It's not really ready to to plug everybody into the matrix yet. So, but that they will roll it out for sure. They're not, they're gonna, they're not gonna stop with that. I have a question for you about uh, a man named William Gibson. This, this has come in from the audience as well. I thought it would be interesting to hear you talk about him a little bit. Uh, Carl says, could you ask Jay to break down or, you know, at least summarize the work of William Gibson? He was Neuromancer is his main book all about vat-grown ninjas, AIs trying to escape and into the Matrix, and psychotic inbred elite living in space and using cryogenics and cloning to try to live forever. Gibson is the futurist that people like Ray Kurzweil were inspired by. That's from Carl. So I, I never yeah, heard about this guy. Neuromancer mentions the Matrix before the Matrix. I think Neuromancer, his novel, came out in 1986 or 87, so, you know, it it has the matrix way before the matrix and i mean other other things did too like um you know you can see the internet in uh, ubik by pkd you can see things like the internet in asimov you know so it's kind of been there kind of in sci-fi for a long time um but specifically the matrix is identified in neuromancer so he did have a tremendous amount of influence i've not read a lot of his stuff but uh i did watch the new amazon series which is based on uh one of his more recent things the one with chloe moretz where she goes into the virtual world and and I, at first i thought it was okay uh 
and then it turned into a thing like um it turned into like uh time traveling in the matrix to the future 100 years in the future where there's a uh catastrophic event that has depopulated the planet and i mean i don't mind the, the depopulation theme and everything but it's like just time traveling in the it's just now it's the matrix plus time travel i just thought it was dumb so yeah. you know what i'm talking about this new uh no i i haven't seen it but i know i know exactly what you're talking about with the, yeah, the... We, we watched the whole first season and uh, i just I didn't think it was that great but he has the ninjas in that one too so so yeah i mean william gibson does seem to be one of these uh you know kind of predictive sci-fi writers um but maybe more so with neuromancer than anything else and i think that's what he's most most known for you know when you and i have talked about matrixes or even um cloning uh you we brought up crowley and the moon child stuff in in the in the past there too but since we have talked a little bit more about robot inseminated fertilized eggs to produce babies i i, I wonder theologically um philosophically do you say i mean there's a lot of people out there i would say i don't know how many people have been born because of ivf over the years but when we talk about a new way of producing human beings in a lab situation where you have a fertilized egg that is put into an artificial womb and that is grown in some kind of a jelly bag for a while and then it's found i mean, once we start talking about this i really wonder uh, do will these creations, these lab creations that will be in any way, in in every measurable way, a human being, um, will they have souls? What 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 is to say about the creation and the pairing of a soul with a body? And uh, I guess if you have a sperm and an egg, and that came from an actual human being, then you have all the building blocks you need to start that process up. But I I, I wonder about the the unseen. The unseen when it comes to all of our uh, our scientific endeavors in this field. Yeah, I mean, again, I tend to be kind of a skeptic. I mean, I don't know because I've seen so many elements of fraud in science. If you look at the Chatham House uh, document from a few years ago, which I, I think I still have it linked, it's in my I've cited in my books. But you know, they they said that upwards of half of the peer reviewed science is fake. Um, so wow. just because, you know, BBC and these kinds of things claim it, I don't necessarily believe it. So I don't know if there are clones. Uh, I'm, I'm skeptical of it. I don't know that there are hybrid people, maybe. But I've also read that, like, they'll inject, you know, like 0.01% DNA of a pig into somebody and claim that they're part pig. Well, mean, well, that's what the third the third person DNA thing was about. It was point. Yeah. Uh, it was zero point one percent of uh, a third woman. Yeah, I think there's a lot more science fraud than we than we know. Do I know for sure? If I don't know, so you know, we're just going on the the testimony the testimony of you know, mainstream normie outlets like BBC and stuff, which are not at all reliable. In fact, they've been caught lying many, many, many times. Uh, there's also a website that tracks actual science fraud. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's something like uh, uh, peer review retractions or something like that. And you'll notice how common it is for a lot of this stuff to just be completely wholesale made up. Anyway, so, I mean, maybe there's cloning. Um, I would say that if cloning does exist, it's still a human. It's still a mother and a father. Uh, so it's still a human being, uh, even if it's fertilized outside of the womb. 
So I would say, yeah, they still have a soul because it's still still sperm and egg. It's not it's not like uh, some other way to create a human being. I always wondered. I guess that's one of those things we're just we're just gonna have to wait until the end of our lives to uh, maybe get some insight in. I always wondered about the actual pairing of the soul with the uh, with the, with a new body. Where did it come from? Uh, I mean, where, where like where where does the pairing come from? What is it? Is it the essence of both sperm and egg bringing a piece? of the parents with them to just join energies and, and join pieces of each other's soul and it creates something new and and uh, I, I always wonder it's one of those things that you'll never there's no way to scientifically put a well i mean as orthodox you know christian we believe that god implants the soul at creation so there there is the a creation of a new being uh, which in part is defined by that soul so Okay, so the, um, so the 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 father and the mother do contribute to elements, but God also contributes as well. Okay, so, so I guess then, like, okay, so then going by that, going that by that standard, I it would be then in the laboratory once that micro needle penetrates the egg and and implants a sperm in there. That at that moment is when God would have assigned and and implanted a soul in that oh i see what you're saying like is god still involved if it's not directly yeah because it's it's not that uh it's not the location it's it's the combining of the two um components yeah that's the miraculous act you might say certainly is miraculous it's just getting a little bit more weird and no i I mean I, i think a lot of this is an affront to you know to what's natural it's unnatural. Hey, well, hey, you know, I guess that's the, the biggest thing about a lot of the the characters' um, inner turmoil in books like Brave New World. Every character that was created in that book, all the arcs that we were following, aside from John the Savage, uh, we're, we're talking about people who were created in a factory assembly line. That along the way, the still the 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 blueprint that is them, the human blueprint that was used to create all of them in these factories, it is still beckoning them to be inquisitive about what they are plugged into, who they are, the soul, all these things. And it's a constant battle to kind of squelch that curiosity, um, regardless of who their parents were or were not. So I uh, I always find that those those topics of conversations and debate are the most um, are the most I- interesting because again who, how do we how do we really know until it's all over and we uh, and we get a little bit of uh, closure but I I think that's a very interesting thing to debate especially with books like Brave New World anyway um, Jay what do you got coming By the up? By the way, the show was is uh, that I was thinking of is uh, uh, um. Crap, I just looked it up and then I forgot it again. That's <laughs> the, all right. Uh, anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Peripheral, that's it. The Peripheral with Chloe Moretz was the sci-fi show that I was trying to think of. And you said that that's, you watched the first... It's a William Gibson... Uh, it's a new Amazon series based on a William Gibson text. And you can only get through the first season. Well, there's only one season so far, but I, I don't really... I didn't really find it that interesting, even though we did watch it. But it's kind of like... 
again it's like the matrix mixed with like time travel which i just i think time travel stuff's really stupid so well i like i like when you and your wife get together and do all of those those breakdowns some of the the better you know movie reviews and dives and analysis has been with her and been very enjoyable and thanks i'll look i'll look i always look out for those um what what is coming up next for you you're always on the move you you make appearances you have a lot of side projects and main projects so uh what's coming next and where can people find it yeah, I mean, we got a live event coming up in Nashville. So if you're in Nashville, there's a two-day event, uh, June 3rd and 4th, which you can get tickets. If you go to any of my videos, you'll see the uh, events listed there. Then we, in July 6th, out in Hollywood, we have a live event uh, where I'll be speaking with promoting the books and whatnot, doing a book signing. And Jamie Kennedy will be there. He'll be doing stand-up the jamie kennedy from scream jamie kennedy so mm -hmm. <clears throat> go ahead if you're in the la uh, area get your tickets to our event also over on my channel um i think the last couple uh live streams that we did on british intelligence and the coronation those those came out pretty good so i would say just people should go check those out and then look underneath uh the videos in the show description for all the links to the live events there you go, jaysanalysis.com. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, I know that we still, I'm not trying to rush this year. I want to savor all the years that we have. But um, I'm looking forward to doing Godfather with you uh, in the fall. Oh, so yeah, it's going to be great. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, sitting on that one, ladies and gents. So if you, if, if Oh, by the way, uh, I've got a big uh, interview coming out with the most famous living gangster. So. Who, Sammy the Bull? Absolutely. Oh, you, oh, you got Gravano, huh? Yeah, we did a long interview. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so look for that coming out. Okay, I'll be I'll be on the lookout for By that way, one. I asked them a bunch of hot hot topic questions. Now, hopefully, none of them get edited out. I don't know. They might <laughs> they might have got processed out. Not by him, but they you know give the videos to people to edit so oh, okay uh, hopefully everything uh spicy stays in there but i asked him all kinds of you know i asked him about jfk rfk marilyn monroe uh you know cia working with mafia all that all that hot stuff came up wow so it's, do you have a uh, an eta on the drop of that video uh his video woman messaged me the other day and she said uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks i think she said something like that Wow. Okay. Your video is coming up. It is uh, in midsummer, so maybe it's longer than that. Okay. Well, that that's going to be a great one. Regardless, that's going to be a great one. I'm I'm excited for that one now. And again, man, keep up doing all the good work, and we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thank you, man. All right, Jay Dyer, Jay'sAnalysis.com. Everybody knows him. Yet to know him better. All right, we're going to go and take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to you all and and do some some fun things we're gonna do some fun things and yeah again just one last thing that quite frankly book club we have a spring selection is shoeless joe by wp kinsella it's a magical story it's the one that uh that pretty much was the the basis for field of dreams i think it's just a perfect for the season magical story very Americana. You don't even need to be a baseball fan to enjoy it. That's going to be Thursday night session starting on June 1st with co-host Charlie Robinson of the Macro Aggressions podcast. And monthly sponsors get exclusive access to the live interactive sessions. So become a sponsor at any point. And then stick on. Stick on. It's only a couple of months after that that we're going to be doing The Godfather, Mario Puzo, with Jay. Jay Dyer. And I'm thinking... I'm thinking about slipping in another book in between. 
I don't know yet. I'm, I'm thinking about doing something in August. If I did something in August, it would probably be Devil in the White City. Because I think that a lot of you would go wild for that book. So, um, yeah. Let's go and take a quick break. When we come back, your calls. The number, get your phones warmed up, is 914-2000. No, this is not, I can't. I was thinking about ways of saying this. It's 914-200-200-0269. But I can't say 2000. 269 914-200-269. Uh, however you're going to re- remember it you'll remember it we'll be right back don't go anywhere that's not what I meant to do you're cool wait a second what is happening right now <laughs> it's intermission time folks time out press the like button thank you Frankly. Quite 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 Quite frankly. Quite frankly. Quite not quite. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly, with Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? All right. So let's get to some. Let's get to some super chats real quick, and then we get to our calls that are already coming in. Oh, here's another thing I want to put out to everybody. Uh, June, remember, June is our badass month. It is a month for badass remembrance and all that good stuff. Every night. In June, we have a badass that we, uh, from history, 
just in general, actually. We've had a couple of people that we don't... And it's not just men and women. It's animals, too. We've had that badass uh, World War One pigeon. We had uh, Wooljack or, or Wojtek. Wojtek, the uh, World War II Polish bear. Uh, there's been a couple other ones there, too. All of our badasses that we have highlighted in the month of June for the past two years, they are also on the blog on quitefrankly.tv. We've got some good ones that are in the works right now, but we also need suggestions. So please, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to nominate a badass from history, it doesn't have to be American history. It can just be anybody who did an incredible, awesome thing and is just a badass through and through. Send it over to quitefranklypodcast.gmail.com and I will pass it along to John Carroll for consideration and we will uh, we will complete what is going to be another great June. You best believe it. Twisted Wizard on Rockfin says, is it just me or does Jay look like uh, Ogre turned nerd from Revenge of the Nerds 2? I don't know. Maybe that's what he's going for. I don't know. I actually don't remember Revenge of the Nerds 2. I barely remember Revenge of the Nerds. Abe, over on the network side of things, says, you've got to say 2-0-0-0-2-6-9 and pause after the second two. 2-0-0-0-2-69. Maybe. Maybe I can do that. I'll take it under advisement. Um... In the spirit of tonight's conversation with Jay Dyer, tonight's rabbit hole, we will be playing movies featuring artificial intelligence. We also spent a good amount of time talking about network, but we have played network on the on quitefrankly.tv quite a few times. It's a fantastic film. If you haven't seen it, you should. And I it's it, I'm I'm certain it's not the last time that you will um You'll see it on quitefrankly.tv. But on quitefrankly.tv, after the show tonight, I had somebody email me and said, Frank, you keep talking about the uh, the network and, and watching things on the network. How do you do that? I mean, I, I go to the site. Do I have to sign up for something? I said, no, you just got to go to the site. Just go to quitefrankly.tv. It's right there. You can watch the 7 o'clock show there, too. It rolls right into the after show. We're building really smooth systems, and we're slowly piecing together a vision that is nowhere near come to full fruition, but it's getting there. Remember, we are not people that believe in finish lines, ladies and gentlemen. We believe in the journey and always getting better and more interesting. So there you go for the after show. Lots of artificial intelligence related movies. Jay Gulanello got in touch with the show, said we can talk about poop if you want tomorrow. Very, very small amount of poop. Just small. We could talk about this one, uh, you know, pill and also C. diff just very shortly because there's other things I want to talk about. Uh, We might do that farming thread tomorrow. Uh, We can also jump into the the uh, the fermented foods and 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 how they can actually increase testosterone, increase the size of your testicles that uh, in particular, that one study that made the, the mice walk funny because their their balls got 15% bigger. And they also had wonderful shiny coats. Those, good for them. Good for them having shiny coat of hair. Me, I got myself a free bird. I told Lauren, 
a while before my birthday. You know what? This Freebird thing, it's 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 the shaver. It has the five little spinny things. The the razor in it that you just She got it for me for my birthday. Best present. I have been shaving my head so nearly razor clean and I've never taken a razor to my head. I'm not I don't think I'm ever going to do that. And it just feels so smooth. Why did I say that? Because whereas my testosterone might be through the roof, my hair ain't coming back. All right, let's see. Revolution says, now that you've given your big... Be oh, no, 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 no. He says, now that you've given your big, beautiful wood away for a second time, I can safely send chats without fear of being closet and gay no cuomo meanwhile what time will june thursday book club be peace out rev it'll be around 8 30 but guess what ladies and gentlemen last night's winner <laughs> booze fighter ahab has respectfully declined the stove top cover because again not because they weren't uh they they were disgusted by it it is marvelous work it comes at a a, a great price over there at dr gotwoods but they just don't have the room for it and they don't they don't know whatever they were really just sending a super chat this is one of the things i thought about with a specialty item like this a lot of people out there are just sending super chats to interact with the show so guess what we're, we're drawing again right now. Thank you so much, Rev, for reminding me. So there are many of you out there who will, in just a few seconds, lose for a third time this week. And one person will win after losing two times before that. So here we go. I'm touching every last one of these things. There you go. Everybody's getting touched. There you go. A little wiggle for you. Skiggly doo, skaggly boo. And here is our winner. Who has won it? The winner is Gino. And Gino, I know, has sent in. Where is it? Where is Gino from the other day? This was Gino from two days ago. Damn it, Francis. I just finished my hockey game and saw I didn't win your wood. It was all I ever dreamed of. Oh, well, maybe next time. Now, watch me go home and email Gino and say, hey, man, you won. Congratulations. And he says, I was just kidding, man. I, and I really don't need the stovetop cover. And then I'll come in here tomorrow for a fourth. People are going to start rejecting the stovetop cover just because the, uh, the nightly raffles are just getting hilarious at this point. So congratulations, Gino. I got to find things to send as consolation prizes at this point. All right, Jimmy Ed says, my family has been watching you for eight years now. We love the guests, the callers, the chat, and you, Frank. Thank you. Clap, clap. Thank you, Jimmy. That's eight years. That's that's a, a great compliment. Thank you for spending all that time with me. Um, I have a couple here from Bad Career Advice Chad. He wants me to go claim my podcast on Fountain.fm. Well, okay, send me that in an email, Chad. Thank you so much. He said, Chad again says, you need to have Dave Jones, the pod sage and co-creator with Adam Curry of the Podcasting 2.0 movement. He holds the keys to the future of value for value direct support. Well, hey, um, he's the droid you are looking for. Send him. I, I love to meet new people. 
Send him my way. And the last thing here says, hey, Frank, it's Chad. We need to stop meeting like this. Tonight's donation, $33.33, the magic number. Thanks for all that you have done and will continue to do for being a whitish, blackish, reddish pill for the people who love personal responsibility. I like that. Whitish, blackish, reddish. White, black, and red. Though that's the colors of uh, Zeralza. The Zeralza colors. So that makes sense. Thank you so much, Chad. I hope I see you in the email inbox afterwards because that's where the moving and the shaking like that gets done. All right, over on Rumble. Make sure that there's any Rumble rants I have not missed. There's none there. But you know what? For 1,121 people who are watching right now at this point of the evening, there's only 395 likes. If, if, if 500 of you who are watching right now, if 500 of you can just at this point go move your finger from here, to here and go click it's not a lot to ask it, it'll uh, it'll help us out we're climbing toward 30,000 subscribers on rumble and I would really love there to be a migration of all of our wonderful YouTube people there too um, just because I don't know I almost want them to rip the band-aid off and just take the whole damn thing away so we can get on to other things all right 914-595-69 it's not, that's not it. 914 Can't wait to hear from you. Let's see. Here's what we have. Anything that we spoke about with Jay? I did the raffle again. Uh, I, I think that... Um, Oh, here's another question for you. If you want just some things that I can offer up to you, uh, as if you needed a reason. Can anyone in the legal profession out there call in and tell me what the difference between sexual assault and rape is? Can you? Can someone tell me? Assault, battery, rape, uh, especially when it's all of sexual nature, isn't that just, isn't that all rape to force somebody to do something sexual? And what the hell is defamation? After this week, I just don't know. After this week, I just don't know what's going on. If this old histrionic phony, what is happening to my damn computer? If this old histrionic phony uh, was just awarded $5 million, pretty much a retirement pension at 80 years old, and all Trump did was deny what was being lobbed at him, then I'm screwed. I mean, then this is two hours of defamation every night. Anybody who does what I do is screwed. So that would be interesting to hear. All right, let's take a call. Uh, Sandy Barber. What's going on, Sandy? Hey. Hey, who's this? Yeah, I can hear. Is this Sandy? This is Kirk, her husband. Oh, what's going on, Kirk? I'm I'm sorry. It's uh, there's just Sandy's still in New York. Oh, she's in New York. What's she doing over here? Dealing with the uh, divorce of uh, the son and daughter, our grandkids. Oh, no. Yeah, we prayed on it, remember? Oh, yeah. I remember now. Um, uh, yeah. Well, either way, I'm sorry to drudge up such crap for you there, uh, Kirk. So, <laughs> <laughs> let, let, Hey, but it's working out. Well, I'm it's happy. working out. I'm happy. What's on your mind tonight? Yeah. Uh I, I just wanted to remind you all of that and bring you up to date on that. But uh, 
uh, about the border. I live here down on the border. And where I live, it's kind of like you either come in here or you don't. And I've been seeing people show up here that don't belong here. So it's starting to it's starting to make its uh, appearance there on your your property, your personal property. Yeah, yeah, my little neighborhood here. Yeah, they. Uh, in fact. Uh, I think, you know, the Baptist church here has a sanctuary and there are blackout buses been coming into my our, our area. I saw two today, so. I wouldn't be surprised. We got those same blackout buses over here in Westchester County, uh, the same you know, Westchester County Airport that uh, Air Force One just landed in today because Joe Biden was at uh, Westchester Community College blocking up all the traffic. But that same Westchester County Airport is where these uh, these these people are are flown in in massive numbers, put onto commercial buses and just uh, shipped all around the county by darkness of night and um and it's it's changing a lot of things for the worst yes it is and they're showing up in my neighborhood and i'm out of the way but this baptist encampment and apparently uh invites them yep yep the uh the the american congregations of every denomination are are in on the trafficking these days whether they they think that they're doing a good thing or not they are assisting governments and cartels alike in having a place for trafficked people to come and uh and then you know be used as a, a political weapon to displace a a native population so it's just uh, it's just incredible what's being done i'm sorry that you're seeing it firsthand but Unfortunately, it is not going to stay around you. It's going to go to everybody else, too, there, Kirk. Thanks for the call. You're welcome, Frank. Have a good night. You, too. You, too. All the best to him and his family. 914-595-6953. Using people as weapons. It's despicable. It's not about being disgusted by people or or people in, in need. It's this entire thing. There's no, oh man. Well, whatever. All right, 480, you're on the air. Who's this? No. Let's try again. 480, you're on the air. Okay, they were there. What is going on, Truth Quest? Hey, Frank. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. Um, it's great to have I you on. Say, well, thank you. Um, <clears throat> you might want to try Nissim shampoo. When I started using Nissim shampoo years ago, my hair stopped falling out and it grew back. So, oh. Nissim, okay. Nissim, yep. They're from Canada. They have uh, hair growing like rapid hair growing products and they have uh, hair restorative it's just shampoo there's no side effects so all right well i would say look into that also um i i sent you a couple of my old uh, commercials i did back in cable access days 
back where we had a potential audience of 3 million people because we shopped our tapes around to other cable access channels. 3 million, so huh? That was, well, potential. We had no way of knowing, you know, back in those days, in the 90s, early 90s. Well, the same thing for us, too, over here. We, uh, in 2007, uh, around 2000, maybe 2008, 2009, Right around the time that we moved into our first studio location, me, Anthony, Mike, we got in touch with our local Cablevision um, public access, and they bundle any kind, because it's public access, anybody can apply for a slot, and you can go and you can send in your DVDs every week, sure. and, and, and that's it. Yeah. So we would get a slot. We had like a, I think it may be a 10 o'clock or an 11 o'clock Monday night slot, in Harrison, New York, in Yonkers, and somewhere else too, which uh, you know, Yonkers is is enormous. Uh, Yonkers, yeah. you know, could very well be a a uh, you know the sixth borough, but you know, I I was looking at that, and we the the shit that we sent to Cablevision every week, and the shit that some some poor people out there saw. On Monday nights, and there's there there'd be a long time, a lot of times that we would forget to send in the DVDs after a while. So the same thing would be running throughout the entirety of our contract with them. Oh, I feel so bad. But you know, as far as potential, yeah, I mean, there's there's millions, there's millions in, in across I, those. I I tell you, back then, um, back when I had cable, <clears throat> when I was doing the cable access, I was flip, flipping through the channels. I had about fifty channels at that time here in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. And you know, there was nothing on. And there's one show that came on. It was cable access. It was two skinny teenage kids beating the crap out of each other in their backyard, giving like wrestling. Uh, backyard wrestling? So funny. And I finally saw the guy. And I said, man, I, there was nothing on TV. I saw your show. It was brilliant. I was laughing so hard. He looks at me with a serious face. He goes, it's not supposed to be funny. <laughs> they, oh, man. Everybody wants to be taken seriously, Aaron. Thank you for the call, man. All right, man. Take, take uh, care, buddy. There you go. I had a couple of friends who were doing backyard wrestling in New Jersey, and uh, I think they gave that up. But I, but I always wanted to have something like there are very small, there's smaller uh, wrestling organizations that they just, I don't know. Everybody does it for the love and. And they have their personalities, and and they they try to have their their um, backstories, just like the WWE, the old WWF days and stuff. And there's a lot of those smaller ones. I would love to find a small wrestling organization that is putting out new content that we can partner with, and we can have a night where that stuff can be seen on the network, and it is nearly exclusive because of how small the organization is. Or whatever. I don't care how, how... I would love to do that. Things like that. Anyhow, let's go. 914-200-0269. We have a couple of Super Chats. Uh, rum, rumble, uh, not Rumble. The Gold Pills. Uh, Crockett Man says, Frank, you should interview Badass Uncle Sam during the Tribute Month. He's a host on Patriot Soapbox. Well, send me some information about him. And what is so badass about Uncle Sam? Chai Possum, thank you so much. Sean Joe, Jesse81138, 
Porpoiseful, showing all these wonderful people that I see every night, sending gold pills to support the, the network. Thank you over and over. Movie Monday, Children of Men or The Road, says Swickly. For what it's worth, your symptoms appear to be GPU-related to me. Cheers, Frank. Well, I guess we're going to know soon enough. And, uh, and I think Chad gave himself over to the gold pills as well to make sure I saw about his uh, podcasting offers. So let's take another call. Let's see. Uh, C. What's going on, C? This is Chris. Uh, called in a couple times. What's going um, on, Chris? Sorry about your new phone system challenges. I was just wondering if you've ever looked at the churches and NGOs participating in this as purely a business decision. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's what it seems like to me. Uh, intersectionality took the public sector, so you get all that. All the intersectional votes are clearly Democrat. But these guys seem like they're just trying to siphon the would-be's real hard. Oh, this is a lot. This is a lot of, of of money coming straight from D.C. I mean, these these faith based yeah. initiatives on the border they are funded by by our taxes. The taxes uh, the, that are collected from us, part of that goes to these organizations. I mean, we're talking about trillions that are just taken and circulated. Yeah. And you lose track of them. So yeah, it is all business decisions. And of course, because they are they they, they have a front of a Lutheran church over here, a Baptist, a Catholic church. It seems to be all very humanitarian. But it's uh, they're, they're dealing their business and dealing in dealing and moving people. They are, they move people for a business. Most definitely. In, I'm into the public schools. They'll turn them intersectional. Or with, do you think this population is going to be staying religious due to the church's required investment in them as people? I don't uh, know if it's required, but well, their active investment or appearance of investment? I, 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 I missed that, Chris, because you, you broke up. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm asking, I'm trying to ask if, uh, you think that once they go into the public school system, the intersectional cult is going to pick them up, or if these churches are kind of relying on them not going into the public school system and being turned intersectional, oh, if that I, makes any sense. I, I, I think damned if you do, damned if you don't. Private schools, you, you, yeah. you might have some luck avoiding the kind of uh, mental meat grinder uh, from the, 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 I don't know, in the, in the private charter schools. You might be able to find a lot of schools that you can trust, that you can vet all the teachers, the the staff, and and what their curriculum is. It could be oh, wide yeah. wide open. I'm 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 not denying that there's some good people out there. And thanks for the call, Chris, and good schools out there. But I don't know if they have any interest. Now, if they get paid, what do they care? Where do they go next? Wherever they go next, they're going to be still they're going to be subsidized by us. And then, their, especially their education, and the education that awaits them is all about how um, how noble they are and their ancestors were. And even if they weren't from around here, they're just going to be taught that uh, you being here is a noble, wise reconquering of a land that was stolen from you. That's what it is. I mean, that's going to be what's going to be waiting for them. And uh, and and hopefully, some are still have their families 
intact and good family structure, you're you're usually able to resist a lot of that. Hopefully, many of them have uh, faith, because that's something that will that will run aground. That will, uh, I would say, butt heads with a lot of that intersectional progressive uh, negativist thinking and um, and school material. Only so far you can go with that before you, all of your, the things that you believe in and you hold dear is contradicted by the political class that's trying to own you as a demographic. So I don't know. I don't know. There, there's a lot more. There's a lot more variables, I think, in the migration that's happening in the Western Hemisphere than in the East. As I've said before, um, people coming up from Central and South America are largely Christians, largely Catholics. Uh, there, there are things that we can still, over time, connect with, though it's the volume is Im, it's massive. The volume of people massive. The chances of assimilation little to none. Little to none. So um, the, the, best, the best chances for revival is going to be local and regional places that take control and try to break away from whatever their plans are wholesale for the whole country. That's the best places for revival in an American sense is local and regional um, efforts. Always. That's always the answer. It's the only, the only hope. All right, 914-200-0269. 914-200-0269. The Sentinel says, Great show, Frank. Not a lawyer, but I once was an Army paralegal and a company CDR. Uh, in lay terms, sexual assault is any unwanted touching by an accused, even without intent. Sexual battery is aggressive sexual solicitations and may involve touching. And then, of course, you get down into the nitty-gritty of criminal versus civil. And it's just, this is what they're going to do. And you've seen the, the, the secondary reporting on this. Can this be the thing that puts Donald Trump in jail? Well, well if he's jailed, if he's jailed, during, like they're just trying to do this, the X's and O's. How can we get this guy in jail? How can we get him in jail? We need to get him out of the way. The, this 2024 thing, it's bad enough for us. Well, how do we just get him in jail? They're just sitting around a war room table with the X's and O's, and they're doing it in public. They're actually asking these questions and, and, and almost like holding a public conference through the newspapers. And, and we're supposed to think that uh, they're actually following, <laughs> they're, they're, they're just following the law, they're just so obsessed with the law. Meanwhile, meanwhile, they're sending a, uh, you know, a, a small platoon of army officers down to the border, not to protect the border, but to process the invaders at the border. They're up, he they're up here pushing an 80-year-old lying harpy around on CNN, working with the New York legislature to, um, to indefinitely extend the statute of limitations on, on anything that she... They, they pretty much extended the statute of limitations on, on prosecuting people for rape and assault like that, just so this woman can go out there and sue Donald Trump. That's what New York did. All at the advice of George Conway, Donald Trump's, one of his top advisors, ex-husbands now, 
she uh, what a what a disaster what an embarrassment let's see uh, and we have a trump town hall that's going on right now actually so i think what we're going to do is uh i think we're going to get off i think that's where a lot of people are anyway because it's on cnn and uh and we're going to leave you off with that and you can Hang out with that, and then afterwards, all of our Rabbit Hole Wednesday programming will kick into gear. Thank you, guys and gals, for all of your help hanging out and the company. Thank you to Jay Dyer for being around, and I think we had another great night. Always always is a good time when you're surrounded by friends. Tomorrow is another one. We'll have Jay Gulanello in. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about what we saw on CNN and the clips that will be available, and uh, everything else will will work itself out. Good night. Have a good one. Get to quitefrankly.tv. You can watch some of this town hall, and then you can go into the after-hours programming as scheduled. I'll see you there. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film before live studio audience now. Our super chatters, starting with the Sentinel. Revolution, Jimmy Ed, Bad Career Advice, Chad. Thank you to everybody that's been watching. Thank you to all my friends on the Foxhole, on the Rumble Rants, on the Super Chats, and everybody in between. Tomorrow is another day. Thank you for tonight. Just a little bit of a reminder, a word to the wise, if you will. Do not worry about the worries from yesterday. Leave it in the past. Move forward with confidence because there are so many new things to be experienced today. New joy to be had. So move forward, be strong, and have a great rest of your day.